Well, nice to meet you. Um, I don't. I, I really wish my family was here. We have kind of an awkward situation. I'll explain that partway through the slides. I will go ahead and start putting some slides up there. That is my family. Actually, that's my family about a year ago. Um, but what Ken asked me to do was to uh, briefly, or I don't know, briefly is the right word, to describe to you both who we are, where we've been, um, where we're going, and the process that took us there. Um, normally, my wife will be with me, and that is always uh, better for me. She kind of softens the crowd a little bit. She's really sweet. She's an MK, actually a third generation. Her grandparents, parents, everyone's grown up on the mission field, and she's short and sweet and knows the whole missionary routine, and people really like her. Um, I, he's still trying to decide if he likes me. But... Um, uh, we we're going to be on the road for a few weeks, and she didn't want to be without the kids quite that long, so she's joining me here in a, about a week. But let me let me start going through the slides, and I, I, let me give you at least the the preface. Uh, if you're from this church regularly, you you know uh, and the ministry that's going on with the Chinese pastors. The the quick version, if you just want to get up and leave and go home early, is that I'm going to be working with him. And starting the second school, there's already one school that's been going where it's, it's in its fifth year now. Uh, we are currently on the N class. I think you understand that whole process. And they have been developing uh, plans for a second school, and that's what we're going to be doing. That's the short version. Now, if you still have coffee and you want to wait around, I'll give you the slides now. Um, okay, who we are, first of all. This is my wife and I. Her name is Celinda. She is five foot one. It's really cute. She's really short. I'm somewhat tall. Um, she grew up on the mission field, as I mentioned, in Brazil. So she is bilingual and bicultural and really spent most of her life in Brazil until, well, all of her life in Brazil until college. We met in college. It's kind of cute. And my wife always likes to tell some personal stories because she says, I think people like to know people. So I'll, I'll appease her, her thinking on that and just give you a couple quick things. We actually have a background that goes back to our, our, our parents almost. Her father was an MK, a missionary kid, and they didn't have high school, so he was sent back to the States. Ironically, he was sent to the Virginia Beach area because they had friends of the family, and he stayed with them through high school, went to the same high school that my oldest daughter is now at, ironically. And um, our pastor, Keith Davey, who started our church, some of you may have encountered Dan Davey at conferences or he comes up to inner city occasionally, but his father, Keith Davey, started our church and was sort of a mentor to my father-in-law. Well, as the process of time went, we planted a church. This is a very familiar feeling to me. Um, still to this day, maybe once a year, pastor will say, how many of you were with us at the schoolhouse? And the, the hands are getting fewer, and that will happen with you guys. Um, in, in one sense, this is a setting you're like, I can't wait till we have our building and our property. And that's true. There's a lot. Tearing down and setting up gets really old, as you know. But there will, there will come a day that you will look back and go, you know, those were really neat days. So don't, don't, don't mind this too much. So we were part of the schoolhouse. It was a church plant. We were in Green Run Elementary and, but they were one of the first missionaries that we started supporting because our pastor knew Dan Templeton, my father-in-law. So I'm growing up in this church at least my high school years, and I keep hearing this name, the Templetons. And then I'm getting ready to go to college, 
And during our offering time, the pastor mentions that the Templeton family is coming back from the field for furlough and will be going to such and such a college, which is the one I was going to. And I just thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I'll meet them. Well, short version, I met them and uh, got their oldest daughter. And we have been married now for almost 20 years. And we have five children. So that's our little story. And, you know, hope you, hopefully you ladies enjoyed that. My oldest daughter, Lenita, um, is a real pivotal part of the story. If you don't notice, she's in a wheelchair. She was born in Brazil. Our plans were to go straight from college to the field. Um, the reason I'm here is because that didn't happen. Uh, my pastor, who did seminary, looked at me partially because of my lack of theological training, Bible college, and partly because of my lack of maturity, which I'm sure is slightly peeking through despite my attempt to cover it, I think you need to go to seminary. And my brother, some of you know my brother, some of you know me, and Tom Daly were up here, and they you've got to come up here, you've got to come check out the seminary. My wife's from Brazil, and you know this morning is a good example of why she was not excited about coming up here, but we visited, really felt Detroit was the place to come, so thus I met Ken and Albright and Pantelli, I worked with these guys, I didn't work with Ken, but, um, so we did seminary, and then our thought was, well, now we can go to the field, and we had our first daughter born in Brazil for dual citizenship, came back, and the doctor said, there's a couple things we want to check out, there's a, a, like a heart murmur or something, we don't know what it is, and basically the short version is she needed a couple of heart surgeries, she had VSDs, holes between the ventricles, some of you are medical and understand that. And she had a defective uh, vertebrae in her spine that was only half developed. So it was kind of a wedge. One side was growing and one side wasn't. And it was making a scoliosis inside, kind of a side-to-side thing. So we kind of sort of did like a holding pattern for about a year and a half because we knew she needed a couple heart surgeries. And during that time, our second one was born. We went to Brazil, had her born there. At this point, Lenita's two developing normally, actually very intelligent for her age, was speaking very well and was reading and was kind of crazy. She had her second heart surgery at the age of two. We came back from Brazil, and following that surgery, about three days after coming out of surgery, uh, she basically just lost all of her motor ability. It's kind of a weird oddity. Uh, people who are medical ask me all the time, what was the condition? I didn't mean to hit the button, but there, that's my second daughter. And it's, it's a neurological disorder that you're not going to find on any neurological websites. It's called delayed choreothetosis. And she went from being normal to basically at 15 years old now. She's about a one-and-a-half-year-old mentally. She doesn't walk or talk or eat. Um, has very, very little motor control. That made a big shift in our plans. That's, that's a really big event. She was in the hospital for about two years, uh, initially with, ICU because of all the complications, which resulted in needing to be on a ventilator, which then resulted in a long-term stay. Now, the good news is she was able to come home. Uh, there are many of the kids at the children's hospital on ventilators that will never come home. It's a permanent condition. So we're very, very grateful that, you know, at the age of four, she did come home. We do all the care. We're used to that. It's part of our life. We're comfortable with it. But that was a very significant event in our lives that both redirected us for quite a while, as well as it, it was really something God used in our lives, as you would understand, as God puts you through difficulties, it does things to you. It, it, it changes you. It changes your perspective on God. If you're in a submissive state of heart, it, it's a positive thing. 
So I had gone on staff at Colonial for one year. That was the agreement. I want you to come on staff for one year, kind of have some ministry experience before you go to the field. Two weeks after starting my one year, this all happened. So now I've been there for uh, most of 15 years, and things were going great. Um, but I'll get to the ministry story after my kids. Karina is now 13. She's kind of like the big sister because she's grown up in that position. Great girl. My wife likes to say all these nice things. I was like, I don't know how I should do that, but she's a great girl. I'll be honest about the ones that aren't. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see here. This is Elena. She is very sparkly, very outgoing, very... Her mind works in unusual ways. Like, at a young age, she's asking questions like, how does your skin grow, like, get bigger when you get bigger? She just thinks like that. And it, it keeps happening. It's really fun, although it's difficult because I don't have answers for most of those questions. Because God made it that way, Elena. That's that's the answer that covers everything, supposedly. So she's just a blast. She is the perfect babysitter. My older daughter, Karina, is very um, capable. She we, we can leave the kids with her, you know, for a day at a time. We don't leave them overnight at their ages. But she can run the house, but she's not real excited about playing with the little ones. She'll do it, but she's more like, I can run the house. Elena will just play, 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 play all day with the little ones. And it's a great combo. So we let one run the house, one play with the kids, and we go out. Yeah, um, We do have one boy, Josiah. If you get the old prayer card, well, it's the only one. The picture was taken actually last Christmas, and our youngest looks like a boy, but it's not. Josiah, um, just a sweet little kid. Um, I'm a little concerned he's a little too sweet, you know, kind of toughen him up a little bit. His little sister just terrorizes the fire out of him. And, you know, okay, Josiah, no, no, don't cry. What's the problem? <laughs> Lord, don't let him be a wimp. Okay. Uh, and if you knew me better, it, it's it's not like I'm, you know, I, I'm not that way. I So we'll work on him. But he's a sweet kid. He's a lot of fun. Uh, he is all boy. That's the encouraging part. I'm not like, put the stroller away. You know, sometimes like my brother, his little boy would run around with the stroller, and I was just like, I'm not comfortable with that. My son, he just plays with tractors, trucks, everything's a gun, everything's a bow and arrow. So I'm, I'm happy. We're, we're on the right track. We just got to toughen him up a little bit. And then my last one, and this is where we usually just say, God, make sure that you don't get too confident. Um, you know, we try to be very good and very godly and very wise parents. And, you know, we really had a, like a, a book about half written on parenting, jokingly. Uh, and then she came along. Um, she she can be the sweetest thing in the world, but oh, is she a mess? I mean, in all honesty, for those of you that are parents, this is the one. And and having done youth work for most of my life, I, I'm honest about it. I mean, my fear for Josiah, my 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 two middle ones are believers, and I think it's very genuine. I don't have any doubt from watching their their desire for God. Josiah, my fear for him is he he will conform. I mean, he's just so sweet that if I tell him, you know, God loves you and wants you to give you, wants you to give your life to him, okay. And he's just so, so I'm scared he's going to make a false profession because he's so sweet. This one, you know, I, I'm going to really put her off and put her off if she ever shows interest because I, I mean, oh, if she does not come to know Christ, we're in trouble. She is unbelievable. This is God's way of keeping us humble and getting revenge on me for what I did to my parents. I was not a good kid, and and 
if it were not for the grace of God in my high school years, uh, I would not be up here either. I, yeah. So, but she's really sweet when she is sweet, which is about every third day. Okay. Where we've been, you kind of know the basic gist. Some of you are familiar with the ministry. It doesn't matter if you're not. It's, it's been a blessing to us. The neat thing is this. Um, our initial missions plans were one way, and that's a, that's a different story. And then we got thrust into church ministry, which was not our plan. Um, it has been extremely educational, if that's the right word. It, it has been very good preparation for a ministry that we're now going into that we never had a clue that we would go into. As a matter of fact, we had been told, um, my daughter, when she came out of the hospital, the reason we haven't moved, um, she continued to have surgeries about every four to six months up until she was 14. So in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, the people, this is not a joke, the people at the hospital really believed that we were on staff. We had permanent IDs. The people on the floors, we would walk into surgery prep, which is where all the people come with all their kids. It's a really, it's a horrible place. If you've ever taken a kid there, some of you maybe have kids that have gone into surgery. All these parents are walking in with their kids and, there's toys everywhere. Everybody's all sad. My kids having surgery, and we'd walk in, and all they're, hey, you're back. Yeah, it's been six months, and everyone knew us. We're getting hugs from the nurses, and oh, I'll take you back. And anyway, so we have been here. Uh, not that we have been discontent to be there, but we just have not had the opportunity to move. But as my daughter's surgeries were wrapping up about a year and a half ago, I actually sat down with a couple of missions people that are in boards and said. You know, you know my family, you know my situation, you know, as she wraps up her hospital needs, what could we do? And both of them said the same thing and at different times, not the same meeting. Because of your daughter, you will probably not be allowed into any country. Your daughter is a, a medical and a financial liability. Most countries will just deny your visa. So we just assumed if a missions guy says, don't even try, you know, they're usually like, yeah, 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 let's try so we didn't even pursue it, and we were very happy where we were. I, the Lord has opened up a number of opportunities. I've been able to continue my education because we have a seminary. Um, I've had a lot of good teaching opportunities at colleges and at our seminary. So I have pastoral ministry, and I'm in a good church, and I have teaching opportunities. And it was really, I, I actually got an office with a window last year. Thirteen years, I finally got a window. I mean, things were really looking up. I'm one of the oldest guys on staff. I have a window, you know, but... What ended up happening, and let me see if I'm ahead of myself here, where we are going. Okay, what ended up happening? Here's our story. And if you think of Isaiah 55, 8, 9, a well-known passage, that God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. But he also makes the same remark that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. So it's not just that our thoughts are different. You know, kind of like you and your wife maybe have different ideas on things sometimes. It's that God's thoughts are entirely different from ours, but they're higher. They're entirely different in the right way. So we went through this now, I guess, twice. We thought that God's direction for us was missions, and we did pursuing towards that. And this is why I would really caution you if, if you do this. I, you know, We have a seminary. I work with teenagers, and people love to say, well, this is what God wants me to do. And it's really good when that works out because then both you and God look good. I would caution you maybe to use this wording. I really believe this is the direction God is leading us. Because you know what? I don't think, and this is my perception, that God was deceiving us. 
I think he was putting desires in our hearts and directing us for a particular thing, but he knew that there was going to be, as David Jeremiah calls it, a bend in the road. So for me to say, God wants us in Brazil, and then all of a sudden we don't go there, uh, I'm the idiot, but God's the one that looks bad. So I would just caution you, you watch your wording there. So there was this bend in the road. Well, this is what's happened again. Uh, we kind of just, okay, we're settling in. You know, the mission boards say, no, it's never going to happen. God's opening up opportunities, so I'm, I'm enjoying the pastoral end and the teaching end, and this is a great place to be. And now my brother's back. He works in the seminary. It's kind of neat. And Scott, you know, comes into the picture. You guys know him. And I get an opportunity to go over and teach, as I think your pastor has and some others in this area. And I have always had both an interest and a burden for China. I suppose that wasn't a mistake now. And I go over it, and I mean, I just loved it. And I'm not an emotional guy, so let me back that one up. Like, oh, you went and had your little camp experience. Oh, I'm all emotional. I'm not. I, I just... I just was just very deeply moved, as my wife likes to word it. I mean, I'm just like, wow. I mean, China has enormous needs, and what better way, and I'm sounds prejudiced, it's not that there aren't other ways, but what better way to really impact China than to input into the lives of men who have the access and can operate in China far better than I could. I mean, I really stand out. I was just there in July, and... I got looked at a lot. I'm really tall. I'm a little less tan. And I don't speak much Chinese, although I am in college for that. Really hard. That's another story. So we are going to be, as I mentioned at the beginning, going over to what we are supposedly supposed to be calling uh, the Asian Pacific. The the ministry, Tony and Gail, have said we want to keep the locations quiet, although some of them don't do well at that, but that's their choice. You will probably find out, and your pastor already mentioned it. But anyway, we, we refer to it as the undisclosed location number two, or uh, the other country of which we do not speak. And, and just to clarify, a lot of people are like, what's the big deal? Because we're not, we're not in China, and obviously that's touchy. Um, the, the reason is because of the men we minister to. Let me explain real simply. Um, these are all men, with very rare exception, these are all men who are pastoring in China, underground churches. It's illegal to do that. Many of them have been in prison. Uh, most of them very likely will end up in prison at some time. It, it's not real hard for someone who wants to get in good with the government. And, and without getting into a lot of Chinese culture and politics, the government is China. I mean, the party, I think most of you get the gist. And it's not a big deal for someone to make a phone call to get in good with someone. And all it would take, really, honestly, to shut down one of the schools is one phone call to someone who has an uncle who's in the party and say, hey, look up about 25 visas going to this location. They're all pastors. And it wouldn't be hard. We're not, we're not like in the middle of the United States where they have to like track down. I mean, we're just in small little islands. It would be very easy to track down. Why are these 25 men who have very little education and have nothing in common going to learn English? And one phone call could easily bring all the men back. They would end up in prison, and they would never grant visas to that location again. We'd have to pack up and start over. So it's that, it's that reason. I'm not in any jeopardy. Um, you know, the worst that they'll do to me is put me on a list so I can't get into the country, uh, and I'll just pack up, go to another island, start another school. But... That's why we try to work on that. So even in our home, we don't even talk about the country. As a matter of fact, it's really funny because if my daughters ever hear the name of the country we're going to, they kind of get startling. Do I have to say that word? 
You know, like my brother walks in the house. Hey, so you just said a cuss word in our house. You know, it's like a bad word. So it's a good habit to get into, even if you're like rolling your eyes at the undisclosed location because you know where it is. Um, where in the world is this? For those of you that are geographically challenged, this is just for perspective. That's where Hawaii is. Some of you understand where Hawaii is. That's where Maui is, which is where Tony is located. All of you know Tony Scott. Kind of gives you the perspective. You get a lot of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> My status goes up really quick. You just take a couple trips, and all of a sudden you're like platinum elite, and you're really nobody. This is where everything operates, right there. And, and there's there's already plans for future schools. Their desire is as there are funds and as there are people, there, there's way way too many pastors for them to really facilitate. And their desire is to get that done and to have as many schools as possible. So there's already one going. Most of you are aware of that. Probably most of you know where it is. Our goal is to be going to the second location. I'll actually be flying over there at the end of the month and trying to find the location that we'll actually put the school in. We're not going to build a building or a campus. We're just going to rent a, a house, a large house. They'll live there. They'll be taught there. And it's very easy to be portable. So that's kind of the gist of that. What is the need? Let me just briefly remind you. I know you understand, but maybe this will make it a little more clear. When I started getting ready to go to churches, and I'm trying to think, you know, everyone knows there's a need in China, but when you talk about 1.4 billion people, that means nothing to most of us. It's like, oh, yeah, lots of money, you know, billionaire. The best way I can illustrate the number, 1.4 billion, which then, of course, illustrates the need since there are very few Christians proportionally to the population. If this building... Here, if we put chairs in and we fit a thousand people into this building, which would be quite a few people, um, let's pretend that this building was in China and somehow I worked out a deal with the government. They're going to let me bring a thousand people into this building ten times a day. Obviously impossible to do, but let's pretend. A thousand people ten times a day, ten thousand people every day, and I get to preach the gospel to them since that's what I'm there for is, you know, Chinese people to understand what Christ has done. Since this is a sort of casual setting, I'll let a few of you look really bad. <laughs> Would anyone here like to stick their neck out and guess, without pulling out your eye touches and your iPhones and your calculators, because I know technology and I've worked with teens, I know all these people are like, I can tell you. <laughs> without using anything mechanical, how many years? And I now say years because the first time I did this, some guy's like, eight months. I go, you're going to look really dumb. So how many years... Would it take to communicate the gospel to 1.4 billion people at 10,000 a day, excluding new births? Because obviously it's going to take years. There's going to be people born. Anyone want to venture a guess on that one? How many? That's a bit much. No, not quite 30,000 years, but I appreciate the big number. That, that sounds good. Anyone else? 140 years. That's not a bad guess. One more. 300. One of the closest ones I've had yet. It would take 384 years at 10,000 people a day, 365 days a year. That is just the best way I can illustrate the size of the population. So when we think of the needs of the world, China's need is this. You've got a population that would take 384 years just to commute. We're not even talking about building relationships, learning language, which that's something I'm working on. But these Chinese men don't have to. We're just talking about simply grabbing people and communicating this is the truth of the gospel i got to run on i've got 10,000 more to deal with tomorrow 384 years for someone to do that added to that culture and language i've heard but i don't know chinese is the hardest language in the world to learn 
From my experience, I'll agree with that. I don't know. Uh, I've been in it for a semester at college now, and I'm doing Pimsleur, and I'm doing Rosetta Stone, and it's really hard. The only thing that's neat is it's really cool when you write it. I'm learning to read, write, and speak at the same time. And you sit there and you write Chinese, you're like, hey, look at this. Look what I just wrote. And be like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. And then I, Chinese people, they all start talking to you, and then you realize you really don't know anything in the language. Then you have the religious background. So, okay, just getting past all the other hurdles, I mean, even if it was an English-speaking country that was open, you have the older generation, which is very into the Eastern religion, and you have the new generation, which is very agnostic. Um, it, it's just not an easy field even for these men to deal with. And then, of course, you have the government controls, which really multiplies the equation. So it's it's an enormous and a difficult field, as you understand. What we'll be doing, you're familiar with the program, so I can move through this quickly. Um, you've probably seen the pictures. This is the, the M class that I got to teach last year, which is really, really fun. Um, I like to, I'm, I'm not your typical seminary type of teacher. I'm sure you figured that out. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go over to these guys. I want to do something just to kind of, I'm sure they get teachers that just come in blah, 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 and then leave. Not all of them. And I thought, what can I do that would be fun? You ever seen a water balloon slingshot, anyone? It's like you can shoot water balloons forever. This, I brought one of those, and I have some really cool video, which I'm not going to show you. Chinese pastors with a water balloon slingshot just having a hoot. It was great. Uh, and I also taught them some English. They're supposedly learning English anyway. That's the cover. And I taught them how to say, what's up, dude? But I taught them the right way. I said, listen, guys, you can you can say language with an accent because that's just assumed. But if you're going to say slang, it's got to be right. So I write up on the board, S-U-P-D-U-D-E. Sup, dude? And I, I worked with them. We went through that three or four times. And, I, and then I, re, I reminded them, you know, do not say this to the Chinese directors. But, but you know, Tony's from California. So I, I picked one of the older guys. I said, next time Tony comes on the island, I want you to walk him go, Sup, dude? I think he got sent home from the program. But anyway, you're familiar with the leadership. I think there's real strength in the fact that you have a program coming out. It's really funny. People say, well, what mission board is it? It's not. It's two Chinese men who have a local church ministry that had this burden. And I think that's a good origination for this type of a program. Of course, you know Tony. That was me with him this summer. and He's actually, I'll tell you this since you know him, you can tell his 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 right arm's kind of out. We're at the, the highest point of the undisclosed location. He's pointing to the golf course. <laughs> All right. He's, he likes golf, if you didn't know that. I, I hate it. It's a stupid game. The basic idea with the program, and this is just, I'll flip through this quickly. I think these are what the, the program is and what the results are. You have, obviously, the theological training, and that's the main issue. That's, that's the goal. Try to give them a couple years of training in one, just pack it in, which is a really neat, Program. They're really getting, a, I think, a great deal. They're getting teachers from all over. And, I mean, that's a neat privilege. Uh, most of them, we're dealing with what I would term faithful men. When you look at 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he, he challenges them to commit truth to faithful men. Now, I've had the opportunity to teach at colleges, and that's a neat privilege. But I sit there, and having done youth work, you know, this is the next stage. And I, I can look at a class of 60, 80 teens, early 20s, and you know that there's a proportion of them that just, I want to get my grade. And there's a small contingency at that age that really wants it. And then, of course, you get to seminary, and that gets a little bit better. But, I mean, these are men, for the most part, who have proven their faithfulness. They're hungry for it, which is, you know, once you're in ministry, seminary makes a lot more sense. 
And if you go back and do classes after being in ministry, you really, oh, please teach me. You know, you just, oh, I need this. This is good. And that's where these men are. I mean, they are so hungry for this, and it's a neat opportunity. Um, and then, obviously, the results of it. I mean, these men, you know, ministry's tough. You can ask your pastor. You can ask your pastor's wife. Ministry's hard. It's tiring. And these men really walk away after the year and say, I've missed my family. I've missed my ministry, but it's been so refreshing. And they get to sit under teaching. They're actually in a church there on the island, as you know. There's also the one-on-one. I put in a water balloon slingshot picture. If you're not familiar, the two guys holding it, one guy's pulling back. Um, but there's a lot of one-on-one time, and that's really where I'm excited about my particular position. Even though I'm doing some of the teaching, my primary role is to be, as Tony and I have discussed, kind of a pastoral presence. I'm going to well live with the guys in the sense of you know next door, <laughs> live with my family. But I'm with the guys every day, and I have the freedom to do pastoral role with them and to bring them in one at a time throughout the month and meet with them, to sit down with them in between classes and eat lunch with them. I'm really good with chopsticks now, big skill to develop. Um, I, I get to meet with them on the weekends. The teacher flies out. I get to sit down. Let's discuss the class. What are some of the questions you have? It's It's a really unique role, and it's actually a, a very valuable role in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that aspect of it. And then, of course, I get to do some of the teaching, too. Um, the local church being impacted. This is the guy, actually, for trivia. This is the guy that was supposed to say, sup, dude, to Tony. Miles, he's a really neat guy. Used to be a criminal. Became a house church pastor. How many of you, well, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of you probably get Tony's emails, his, uh, his updates, and he will share some of the testimonies. The testimonies of these guys are very interesting. They're so diverse. One guy in the new group, I was there when we were, that picture I took with those guys was actually the the leaders of the end group, and I was there this summer when they came in. One of them became a believer after he started a house church. He was in the three-self church, which if you're not aware of that, that's the government-approved church, which is not sound doctrinally or with the gospel. And he got frustrated as an unbeliever. He's like, this is dumb. They're, they're not doing the Bible right. He starts his own little Bible study house church and in studying to prepare to teach becomes a believer. Interesting testimony. But anyway, the, the, the local church is obviously the main goal as we train these men to impact the local church. And these are just some pictures of some of them. Uh, this is a house church I got to go to in Chengdu that's not connected to our ministry. Um, and then this is actually communion at a house church, which is a very different way than what we're used to, obviously. And then here's a baptism because of the secrecy. Like the house church I got to visit has a little wooden box, and they have the sixth and the seventh story apartment, which is rented by one of the believers. And they go to the roof, they bring the box up, they fill it with water, and they do their baptisms. And then they put the box back down in the house. Some of them use bathtubs. It's interesting. I'm sure you're aware of some of that. And this is Kirk's ministry. I I think he's probably one of the, the choice graduates if you don't remember, my name's Kirk. Everybody's like, I don't get it. <laughs> Kirk, you know, Kirk. All right, forget that one. Anyway, Kent is another one of our K graduates. And then also there's training going on in China with our ministry where, as you know, Tony and and some others like Mary Heater and others that are on that side of the world get to go into the country occasionally and do some of the training as well, which is a neat opportunity. So I tried to kind of plow through that. Um, that is the, the basic summary of the ministry we're going to be involved in and what we're doing. The only thing that I, I left out, and I'll, I'll go through this briefly and then basically see if you have any questions. That was kind of my plan. 
what was interesting about this process, and I would just use this maybe as an encouragement or as, as a challenge to you, how, how willing are you for God to change direction? And I know it's kind of an awkward question. And for me, it was just interesting. I, I did not foresee this. Some men are in ministries and they can sense it coming. And that's not unspiritual. It's just God works in different ways. And they're like, you know, I've been here for a while and I really sense God's, you know, got something different for me. Or, you know, I've been a youth pastor for five years. I'm looking to be an assistant or, you know, whatever. For me, Things were just going smooth, and and like I mentioned, I, you know, I had an office with a window. Things were really looking up, and um, I went to go teach. This started working in my heart, and within a month, my wife and I were sitting down with our pastor, saying, "You know, this is what's going on in our heads. We're praying about it. We don't know." And he was really excited about it, almost too excited. I was like, "Okay, now why why are you this excited? No, really, go, please go. You've been here so long, get rid of But he he encouraged me, and actually it was really neat because Mary Heater was in the States, and we sat and talked, and I talked to some of my friends who were in missions. And so basically I taught in September, and this is like out of the blue. I mean, I knew I was teaching, but I taught in September. By October, we were sitting down with our pastor. By November, I was in Guam sitting down with Tony and Marty and all some other guys. And, just... and by December, uh, we were in front of the church, and pastor was saying, you know, in Acts, they sent out from among them, and people are like, oh, no, what's going on? Yeah, and then we get up, everybody's like, oh, we didn't know. I, we didn't either. So uh, the transition occurred in the summer. I handed off what I had been doing to a guy that that was really, the Lord was so gracious. It was a guy that I was already kind of mentoring for youth work. Um, for two years, we had been meeting together. He just wanted to really talk about ministry. And so when the transition came, there was really nothing to do except, you know, this is, where my refrigerator is full of Coke. <laughs> Here's my key, and that was about it. I mean, he, he had already been, I poured everything into him that I knew. So it was really a blessing that God had done that. And then, you know, the, after that, I went to China, talked to Tony, solidified things, and then starting in August, we hit the road. So that is our, you know, is basically less than a year, and we're on the road, and it was a very big surprise. But, um, I think, again, Isaiah 55 has just been a very pertinent verse to our lives and ministries, and that is that God's doing what He's doing, and I never would have anticipated it, but it's exciting, but yet it's it's a big jump. When you're in your 40s, I know it sounds really young to some of you, but, you know, here we've been in this house, and we've had this dog, and, you know, we've been in this ministry, and it's it's a big jump. So we've pretty much sold everything we have except clothes, and we've moved out of our house two weeks ago, which is why I have no idea where my prayer cards are, because the day we moved out of the house, we had 11 of our relatives from my wife's side descend on our house into the new one that we moved into to kind of use temporarily, so life's been pretty crazy. But let me give you, I have a little bit of time. Does anyone have questions about, not you. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay, I can explain that. You want me to do that one first? Or? Good. Okay. I'm, I'm just making assumptions, so I'm glad you're bringing up what might not be clear. Uh, as far as the visa situation, when Tony approached me about doing this second school and where they wanted to do it, um, basically, we live near D.C., much warmer, by the way. I came out this morning, I was like, okay, I hope church is canceled. This is ridiculous. 
I mean, in Virginia, our thermometers don't even go that low. I ride a motorcycle all year round. I don't have a car. I just have a bike. And, I mean, this is just stupid. So, okay. Um, what was I saying? Oh, my, the visa. I went up to D.C. and uh, just I just went to the consulate and said, this is what we're doing. And they said, no problem. As long as you can provide a letter, uh, a document proving that you have financial support, you're not going to be a burden on the country, then it's no, it's no issue. Uh, and, and medically, this one always comes up, so I'll, I'll make this comment. Medically, my daughter is very medically sound now. Her, her back surgeries are done. She has a permanent set of rods. That's a long story. If you're curious about medical things, we can talk. Her final surgery's done. The only danger that she has, which would be different than a normal person, is infection. So, you know, anyone who has anything non-living in them, you've had any kind of surgeries where they put staples or bands or wires or, you know, that's true with many people. If you have anything in you that is non-living, then you run the risk of infection. So she's actually had that happen once due to negligence. I always joke around, we could go to the field without support if we just ah, should have sued them. No. So, you know, that's the only danger, but we are near good medical facilities, and the likelihood of that is very slim. I mean, basically, you just take antibiotics anytime there's a, you know, operation or anytime there's a cut or, you know. So medically, she's very sound. Um, the only supplies she really needs is diapers and food, and that's just not hard to get. So uh, the second question was, okay, the classes, for security reasons, they give them all uh, whatever you want to call them, Western names. We don't use Chinese names. And so if you're not familiar with the system, they started with, K, K, L, M, N, no, J, J class. I was like, I'm missing Jude. I know Jude was a graduate. Uh, so they started with a J class, and everyone gets a J name. Kind of cute. Actually, it's hard when you go to teach. You're just like looking at 25 guys, and you're like, um, mm, you know, you're on the right track, but you know, Mike, yeah, Mike, okay. Uh, and I don't know who comes up. Well, I do. I just found out, and it's it's not a good story. But the people that come up with the names are not really. Yeah, one of the guys is named Nemo. I, I didn't think that was very nice. So when I was there, I was actually able to preach in the morning service, and I heard that there was a Nemo, and this is where my lack of maturity comes out. So during the handshaking time, I literally, I, I got to find him. I got to find Nemo. So because I wanted to get up and tell people, you know, hey, I found Nemo. And it was really cute because it's a Chinese-English church. And so I got up, you know, the man of God presenting the message. And I said, well, first thing, I just want to let you know I did find Nemo. And all the English speakers were laughing. All the Chinese were just like, <laughs> Nemo's down there like, am I funny? <laughs> so that's how the classes get named. So they're on the N class, and they all have N names, including Nemo. He is there. We found him. Any other questions about our family, our ministry? Okay. The, the training program up until now has always been one year. The men get a year long, literally a year. They get a visa, they come over in August, they come a whole year, and then they go back in August. But to further explain that, because we're now adding a second location, we have been in discussion about the time frame that we'll be using at our school because uh, there are some men who cannot be gone that long. And I could be gone a semester, but I couldn't be gone a year. So we're actually toying with using my location with a little bit of variety. So some of the men that could be gone only a half a year, we might do that. There have also been now, this is our fifth class, so there's been four classes of graduates. I think I think it's in the 80s, roughly, 
that have graduated, some of them, or actually quite a few of them, have gone back and actually started their own training. Here's what I got. Let me give it back to you. And so some of them have their own little training schools where they're kind of regurgitating what we gave them, which also makes our teaching much more like, hmm, Lord, please help me to do this right. I mean, because they're just taking what we're giving and giving it out, which is neat, but it's scary. Um, some of them who are doing training have said, I would really like to get some more training. And obviously, we and most of them agree that coming out for another year is not a good idea. So what we have toyed with is the idea of bringing some of them out because they are doing training and giving them maybe another three months of added training that would specifically be geared towards their needs as trainers. So our, our area, we might bring men out for a year. We might bring two groups out for a half year at a time. We might bring out a few groups at three months at a time. It's going to be kind of a flexible location, which is nice for me because I think I have ADD. I'm too old to really know, but my wife says I do. So the variety will be nice for me. But, yeah, that's kind of one year's the norm, and my location might have some variety on the time frame depending on the needs of the program. How is this funded? Um, that is primarily Tony's department. Uh, there's kind of the, the, the Chinese-American combo. That sounds like a meal. <laughs> I like the Chinese-American combo. The, the, the two Chinese men are primarily the pastoral interviewers, recruiters, which is another, I think, strength of the ministry. We're not just sending an American out going, hey, who wants training? These men know the language, the culture, the religious culture. So they, they do mostly the Chinese and recruit and interview the pastors. Tony's primary job is to recruit the teachers and to raise the funds. So at this point, it's primarily funded through churches. There are churches who give not only towards Tony or me as individuals, but there are churches who give substantial amount of funds towards the, the airfare for the pastors. There's actually some funding for their families while they're out of the country. And that's where the Chinese end of the equation really helps because the goal is not to dump a large sum on these people. Like, well, we live like a king for a year, but to kind of understand what their current standard of living is and to make sure that they can maintain that while their husbands are gone. I'm, I'm too old to hear you. I'm, I, I listen to loud music as a teenager. Can you? No. Uh, you mean like percent? Stage? Like I'm on deputation, in case you weren't aware of that. The school hasn't started. They're waiting for me to get there to start the school. So we, we've been on deputation since August. The plan, and I think it's a feasible plan, is to be there by summer. And so hopefully by summer we will locate there. Uh, I'm going to fly over twice, once to teach and once to do the scouting thing. And we will settle in and then find the location to, to rent for the class and hopefully have classes up and running by this time next year. It says 12. Who's in charge? Are you in charge? Oh, you. Yeah, you're, you're a visitor too. Okay. Do, do I ask for more questions or do I... Okay, if you have more questions, maybe you can come up afterwards. Do I, do I end with prayer or just say thanks? Or Okay, okay. well, I mean, it's your church. All right, uh, let's pray. Father, it is uh, a privilege to be here, and it's uh, always a privilege to meet other believers, and I thank you for this time. I pray that it's been uh, somehow an encouragement or a challenge to these people as they 
strive to walk with you. Um, I do pray for the ministries over there and the men who are currently training, that you would protect them and their families, uh, that you would help the many, many others who are ministering in that country and in, in Muslim countries and even around the world. It's, it's, there's not a hierarchy of missions. There are people all over the world uh, and even in this region here that are reaching out to those that need to hear about you. So we continue to thank you that you're sovereign and we continue to pray for the growth of the church. In your name we pray, amen. Are they dismissed? He says you're dismissed.